The Breakdown Podcast is back again. We are in round four of the Rugby Championship, and it hangs in the balance, in the balance in so many ways. If you think about where the All Blacks are after three games, just one win, two losses, lost to South Africa and Argentina. Argentina for the first time in New Zealand, just for the second time in history. However, South Africa aren't tracking that much better. They have lost two of their three games. They have just lost in Australia against the Wallabies again. So Jim Kays is going to join me. But before we get into this weekend, since the appointment of Ian Foster, Joe Smith comes into his coaching team, Jim. They prepare for their first test match, and it doesn't go well. Are we still in that situation? Even though he's been reconfirmed by New Zealand Rugby to the Rugby World Cup next year, that he appears to be coaching for his future every single week that he goes out there? Well, I guess it depends who you talk to, Jeff. If you talk to the New Zealand Rugby Union board, they'd probably say no. I think if you talk to the majority of the uh, New Zealand rugby public, they'd say, I hope so. Um, you know, I'm sure I've said it to you before and I'm happy to say it again. I, I, I struggle to think of a a coach of the All Blacks who's failed to grab the support of the rugby public quite in the way uh, that Ian Foster has. I mean, John Mitchell wasn't universally popular, but I think that was, well, he made the mistake of dropping Christian Cullen um, and he also spoke gobbledygook, so people didn't really understand what he was saying. But I think he got the results, whereas Ian Foster has just, he has not from day one had the the wider public support. So I make that point because to answer your question, I think most of the New Zealand rugby public would be relaxed if the All Blacks lost if it meant that Ian Foster got the chop. And that's a horrifically sad thing to say. But when they made this decision, New Zealand rugby, surely they would have been having to make it on the basis of win, lose or draw that he would have their support because you cannot continually put a coach in the position of coaching sure. for his future every single Saturday. That doesn't help I agree. him look to the future. And we need no. to look to the future. If you think yep. about what we're actually facing right now, clearly that this group of players is struggling to find the combination of confidence and form and the ability to perform under pressure at the back end of games to get success. We've clearly played some very good sides in 2022. So if we want growth in this area, surely we have to be in a position where he can coach with the knowledge and confidence that his future is protected. And if he's been told that, if he's been told that definitively, right, and you talk about this, I suppose, lack of not so much lack of public support, in some ways it is, but the doubts that remain, surely that's the first thing that has to be dealt with. And has New Zealand rugby not been clear enough and definitive enough in saying, hold on, win, lose or draw, he will be the coach for this foreseeable future, including the 2023 Rugby World Cup? Because to me, that's the message that I'm assuming He's been told. Yeah. Look, I, I think he probably has been told that. 
I think New Zealand rugby haven't been definitive about a lot of things for a long time, basically since Steve Chu left. You know, Mark Robinson's a, a lovely bloke, but he, you wouldn't call him definitive and decisive. Um, and, and I don't think the board has backed him in being definitive and decisive either. So, you know, you we're in a situation where I think most people believe exactly what you're saying, that Ian Foster is coaching for his future every week. Now, Fozzie might not think that. He might be quite relaxed. He might be he might be thinking, I've got this job through to the World Cup. Um, if he is, we're not seeing many examples of him trying to develop players. But, mate, it's an awkward one, isn't it? And you know this, having been in that environment. The All Blacks are not a development team. So on the one hand, yes, he has to bring players through. And on the other hand, he needs to win test matches. Well, he, he doesn't have the luxury of the second thing at the moment, does he? And if you look at Graham Henry and then Steve Hansen after him, they used the bench to develop their players. You know, Sam Kane had, had appeared in 30-odd test matches before Richie McCall retired, but almost all of those were off the bench. Steve Hansen used to talk about guys needing to have played 30 test matches. And he used the bench to develop and blood his players. Ian Foster's not really in that luxurious position because he's not winning test matches. So so there's mounting speculation about his future, hypercriticism and focus on the teams that he does pick. You know, this is the the first time in 25 years that the All Blacks have retained the same starting 15 for three consecutive test matches. Now, normally that would be heralded. That would be a triumph for the coach. And people would be saying, man, this is fantastic. You guys won those three test matches in 97. But people would be saying that's a real positive because it shows consistency of selection, consistency of performance, all the good things about retaining a team. This time, everyone's piling in. Oh, you lack the courage to make decisions. You should have dropped this person. You should have dropped that person. So there's controversy around the fact that he's retained the same 15. You know, unfortunately for Ian Foster, he is making good statistics look bad. Um, and, and and that's just a consequence of the fact that they're not winning test matches. So if we focus on that selection that you've talked about, going into this second test match against Los Pumas in Hamilton, after a performance that we would say was substandard, perhaps not giving the credit where credit's due to Argentina in terms of the quality that they brought and the way that they played and the DNA that they stayed and held to and their courage defensively against an all-black team which tried to challenge them but certainly certainly weren't able to break them down. So the all-blacks name the same 15. They make significant changes for me, though, Jim, on the bench. When you bring in Dane yep. Coles, you bring in a vast amount of experience, core job that he does. Then if you make another change when you bring back Brody Retallick, it's nice to have mm-hmm. a guy who's been in the conversation as the best player in the world a few years ago, having that ability for him to come back in and, and have his impact. Bowden Barrett clearly comes back in in place of Steel and Perifeta, which gives them a, a, an element of trust and belief in a guy who's been there. And then you bring in a Dalton Papali'i who has been the captain of the Blues in Super Rugby. So there's an element of experience, there's certainly some leadership there. It's something they didn't have last weekend coming off the bench to finish a game. So if we look at this, does that significantly change the makeup 
of this team and what you can do with it through the course of the 80 minutes because it was once again, and not for the first time in 2022, it was the final 20 minutes this game was, these games have been decided. It was the final 20 that we fell short once again and we yeah. lacked an understanding of what it takes to then win a close test, matches, test match. And the majority of these tests this year, Jim, with 20 minutes to go, have been tight test matches and very winnable. So are you more confident in this group than you were in the group that played last weekend? Yeah, possibly. It's quite interesting. You told me uh, earlier today what the team was and that there'd only been a couple of changes to the bench. And my initial reaction was disappointment to kind of, oh, what's he doing? And then when I had a little think about it, I thought, well, who would I have changed in that starting 15? And it was really quite difficult to come up with names. I mean, perhaps you could have bought Brody Ritalik in. Uh, perhaps you could have given, as JK called from the breakdown, Dalton Papaletti a start. But I don't think that was ever realistic. He was never really going to change his all-black captain. And then I sort of worked my way through the team. I, I, I really like the front row. It's young. It's got a lot of vigour in it. It's, it's really good. I don't really have a problem with the locks. I don't really have a problem with the loose forwards if you're, if you're going to stick with Sam Kane. I'd like to see Aerosmith running a lot more and challenging a lot more and providing more options from, from halfback in, in the way that, say, a Brad Weber might do. And then the rest of the back line, who are you going to change? So I, I kind of finished up with, well, look, I still think Rico Ioane is a better wing than he is centre. I still think we've got a fullback playing second five. But again, who were we going to change? Anton Leonard Brown's not injured. You can't put Roger Tuvasa-Shek in there. He barely qualifies of, of being selected for the All Blacks anyway. Who were we going to change? So I agree with you. It's the bench. And the bench does add a lot of impact and an ability to change the game. Now, the All Blacks for a long time, a decade at least, were very good at changing games off the bench. You know, you go back to Pity Webber's influence in the 2011 World Cup all the way through. Boda Barrett, magnificent. So maybe you're right. Maybe there's more confidence in this in this 23, not 15, but 23, because of who's on who's on the bench. But I also, Jeff, I need to see change in the way they played. Yes, Argentina were heroic and, and amazing on defence. You know, they made 95% of their tackles. I think they missed seven. But the All Blacks didn't really stress them. You know, they didn't really drag them from one side to the other a lot. They didn't really provide a lot of ingenuity on attack. There were no grubber kicks through, chips over the top. Nothing to make, there's nothing to turn the Argentinians around. And you know better than anyone, no rugby team likes to be turned around. You don't like to make tackles going backwards. Argentina were given really simple targets on defence. They were running straight at them. So Whoever the the 15 is that's on the field wearing a black jersey, they have to be better on attack. They have to be more inventive. They have to stretch the defence more, twist it more, pull and push it more. They, they didn't really do any of that uh, in Christchurch. They just provided tackling practice for Argentina. One of the challenges I see with it, Jim, is that if you're going to make changes, essentially you probably have to blow some of it up because one yeah. change leads to another change, which leads to another change. <laughs> Because, and now the question mark is, and have we gone down this path for such a long time, 
are we still once again down that path of trying to get what we believe are the most talented players on the field at any given time? And so to the point we move the talent around to fit and go, you know what, we'd like to get him on the field. We'd like to get him on the field. You know, that old, we've got three great second fives. Okay, how do we get all of them in the game? Which we don't at the moment right now. But what I'm saying is, is that possibly we've we've fallen into that trap once again of the, we've probably got two great fullbacks or three great fullbacks. We've, we've got a number of great wingers. Um, we've been we've there, got, haven't we? Yeah, we've been there. 99, 2003, 2007. John yeah. Hart got all twisted and tangled. Moved Christian Cullen to centre because he didn't want to drop one of you four. Same thing happened in in two thousand and three when I'll get them around the wrong way, but I think Leon McDonald Mills went to centre in two thousand and three, and Leon was other way around. Leon, went, Leon, remember Leon went to centre. Um, okay, and, and then, then in two thousand and seven, Mills went to centre. One right. of them played centre, and one of them and the other played in the other. So yeah, you're right. You've and, and I think they're doing that to a degree with um, Adi Savia at number eight. But I, but I think you'd say about that about David Harvili, who was a remarkable outside back, who through necessity became a midfield back for the Crusaders, and now he's changed his game away from what I felt was he's pl- not playing to the strength and skill set, which he was initially great at. And so Will Jordan's the same point of view as the fact there's no doubt he can be... I mean, he was a world-class winger last year, but mm. you look at what his skill set and maybe what the All Blacks need is at fullback. And then we've done the same with Rico. We've gone, well, we, we want we think Rico can play centre, so we move him in. And it just seems to me, though, that the, the dominoes would fall if you started to make the changes. Because, yep. and, and, and that would be a significant change for this group. And it's like the Adi Savia one as well, that, that two years ago, Sam Kane was in outstanding form, form was, the I think, the All Black yep. player of the year. So... So in that year, when he's on top of his game, it was where we wanted Adi Savia on the field. So we said, well, we, we play. We, we're searching for a number eight. We didn't have anyone putting up their hand and saying, I'm a world-class number eight. I'm going to play there. But I'd suggest to you, uh, have we got ourselves into a position where some guys have maybe had plenty of opportunity and not kicked on and left us in that area that you're talking about where – on the bench, when not when when we lose a couple of guys, we don't seem to have that same level of experience or guys who have who have taken their game to the next level. And with only twelve tests probably to go, is this selection a step forward, or are we now going? You know what? We beat Argentina. That's the that's the first protocol, but everyone's expecting that. The Bledisloe mm. Cup now is the is probably going yep. to be the be all and end all, right? Of this group, this the Bledisloe Cup because Australia, I think, will beat South Africa again. I've just got a feeling that'll happen in Australia. Then I think I think for these players, in Foster, yes, clearly, but for the players, the two tests against Australia for a number of these players will be whether or not their future in the All Blacks is assured. Yeah, whether they go to the end of your tour. Can I ask, just don't think too hard about this. Who's the best number eight in New Zealand? Oh, if, if I had to go about who's the best number eight. I'd best still, number eight in New Zealand. Best number eight. I still think it's Adam yeah. Savia. Not Cullen Grace? No, I don't think it's Cullen Grace. 
I, I, I don't know. Funnily enough, no, 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 I was just, I was just interested because I, I kind of think, look, I think Adi Savi is magnificent. I think Adi Savi and Samasoni Takiaho are the best All Blacks on the field every every time they run out. So I don't have any problem with Adi, but but I just wonder whether he's in the right position for him. Yep, he's, he's in, he's possibly, he's in the right position for the All Blacks at the moment. Yeah, no question about that. Yeah, well, I, I think given his attributes and his leadership, and his work rate, and his explosiveness off the back of the scrum, and his athleticism, yeah. and understands the big moments. He's got plenty of fight in him. We know, we know that. Yeah. But once again, it comes down to, I, I, I continually go back to a body of work that I can rely on. And so I can't rely on Hoskins' Satutu body of work. Cullen Grace yeah. is now injured, so it takes yeah. him out of the conversation. You yeah. couldn't, you know, Peter Gussowakula, who was outstanding for the first half of Super Rugby, then fell off a little bit of a cliff. You know, he fell off. And then they didn't play him at number eight anyway, really. Um, the no. All Blacks didn't. No. Uh, as, as a traditional you know, number eight. And, but I feel sorry for him because, funnily enough, give him the platform we've had the last couple of weeks, he might be a he different He could be player. magnificent. He'd be a different so, player. So, so here's a couple of questions for you then. Well, a couple of thoughts. Because I've always been told, you know, Wayne Smith, Graham Henry, even Shag himself would say the art of coaching is actually the art of selection. And I don't think that these guys are great selectors. You know, they brought in Roger Tuivasa-Sheck without the body of work that you're talking about when he was probably better off playing a full season of, of rugby for Auckland and then going on, on the end of year tour. And then even within games, Samasoni Tokiaho was a one-man wrecking machine in Christchurch, and they took him off in the 44th minute. Now, that alone is bizarre, but why not take him off at half-time if that's what was required and bring the other guys on at half-time? So he effectively had a 15-minute rest and then played for four minutes and then got taken off. That's confusing, but the one, the one thing that happened in Christchurch last week that I thought was really disappointing from a, an All Blacks credibility perspective was pro Stephen Perifetta getting 50 seconds. They should not have put him on the field with 50 seconds to go. He had no ability to change the game at all, and now he's been dropped. <laughs> it just, well, it's, well, well, what's I mean, going through that young man's mind? He hasn't been dropped. He's been replaced by well, Bowden Barrett. because he's not in the 23. Yeah, but, yes, but Bowden Barrett wasn't come back in. Bowden Barrett wasn't fit. Yeah. I get that. But you know my point. Yeah, I know your you point. You know, they I mean, bring him in, they give him 50 that. seconds. That that should not should not have been Stephen Pettifetta's first test. That should not have been the first experience. You know, the, the big question mark will now be the next time he gets an opportunity, if Bowden Barrett is fit, um, if Richie Moonga is fit, and if Damian McKenzie comes into the frame, which he will do for the end of year tour, that might be Stephen Pettifetta's career in the all-black jersey. Now, I hope it's not. I really hope it's not. I am disappointed for him. I'm disappointed for him because that's going to be his memory and experience of that, and he shouldn't have been put in that position. But by the no. same token, you should never have someone in the all-black environment that you don't trust to get on the field and play and make an impact and make a difference. And so exactly. since, since I don't <clears throat> understand... Some of the logic, and I, and and here's the other side of it, and I, I and I, I will check myself on the fact that quite often I say, I say, look, I don't know why they made a substitution. You know, why did mm. they make the substitution then? Why did 
guys can play 80 minutes. But I look at it and go, when you needed a different impact on the game, you should make a substitution. So, Tupovai, Stephen Petafeta in Christchurch, yes, inexperienced, I get that. But fresh is fresh. 100% yeah. is 100%. Coming on with the mindset of changing the game, giving the opposition something, an alternative to them to have to deal with. Samasone Tokiaho, for example, as well, clearly was our most influential ball carrier, clearly was delivering at line-out time, defensively still hitting his work rate. He wasn't fatigued. To me, it was it, it was an error in judgment around their philosophy. They talked about, Jason Ryan talked about it on the breakdown, well, we thought we'd bring the three together, the combined front mm. row, the whole front row. Didn't make a lot of sense to me, but I don't, I don't deal in the dark arts mm. of what's happening in the front row. But once again... I think what we can I think we can ascertain from some of this though is some of these things and and you and I Jim and, and just in life will have been under pressure in different different times and our judgment and our decision making yes. just like it is on the field right now mm. I think is a little bit clouded is a little bit yeah. under pressure and the fact that there's one thing right now that could be Ian Foster's undoing in his whole tenure is loyalty and trust could be the one thing, and and that's a and that's a um, a character trait that you admire people for, you know. And we would, you know, we're, we're loyal to what, the people that we are. We're loyal to you know um, characters and individuals and and people that you have faith in. And in Foster is showing that in this group. He's showing that in his captain. He's showing it in a whole a, a leadership tier. Um, within that side going, you know what, I need you to lead us out of this. The question I, I have to ask is, can they? You know, can this group, particularly this this senior leadership group, can it find a way to empower the other probably 16 yeah. or 17 players to capture something that at the moment they haven't managed to capture other than once? clearly in South Africa in, in, the, in the second test of Johannesburg. You're right. For a lot of these guys, well, for all of them, it's uncharted territory. And you take a guy like Sam Whitelock, who's enjoyed huge success in every team he's played in. So he hasn't been through this sort of adversity to learn how to bring others through with him and, and those sorts of things. I, I wonder, and we are all 2020 in hindsight, but I think uh, what happened in Adelaide between South Africa and Australia puts the All Blacks win at Alice Park into a slightly different context because South Africa are not the team that we thought they were from that first win against New Zealand. They're not, they're not playing like the world champions that they are, just like the All Blacks aren't playing like, you know, let's be honest, the world champions that they normally are. So we've seen two very good teams absolutely slip so, yeah, look, I guess the nutshell of this, Jeff, is that it's a pretty important test match in Hamilton. You know, you you, you don't want to see the All Blacks lose four on, on the trot. Um, that would certainly, particularly if Australia were to beat South Africa, that would certainly put uh, the cat among the proverbial pigeons for that game on a Thursday over there in Melbourne for the first Bledisloe Cup test. Um, and, and, again, it would just 
create this maelstrom of politics and infighting and intrigue around the All Blacks that is clouding so much. And that must be a, a significant distraction for the players. And as you said, it has to be a distraction and a pressure point for the coaches because everything they do, they know the consequence of that is magnified. Like we're discussing subbing front rowers in the 44th minute. If they'd won that test match, we wouldn't care. But they lost that test match, so it gets magnified. Everything gets magnified because of the fact that they're that they've now lost three tests in a row in New Zealand for the what is it the first time ever? That's surely not first and, time ever. Know, I think when you look at that, you talk about results coming up on this weekend. If if the maths is right, my understanding is is if Australia win and we lost, we would become the seventh ranked team. In the world, yeah, we're and top that, below Argentina, and, and that would be hard to fathom. <laughs> it, it would be hard to fathom because if we, I think, if we won last weekend, we could quite easily have been third because South mm. Africa lost. So there's no doubt there's a, you know, there's a, um, I suppose a almost a, a fragility to these rankings, right? They can change and chop and change very, very quickly. Yep. yep. But I think there are more things in play right now. Is that if we look at this group and if then we go, are we genuine in the fact that we are a World Cup contender in 11 or 12, 13 months' time if we start to get on a road to success? And what are the things we would need to see to have confidence that we are tracking in the right direction? And how much of us is, is it consistency? Is it the big performance that, you know, that we – we are looking for or are we in a situation now and, and remarkably, you know, Grant Nisbet was on the breakdown and and, and he said, oh, the hardest part of the season is behind the All Blacks. That was after the two South African tests. No one saw yeah, I, No one saw what happened in Christchurch last weekend coming. I didn't see it coming, Jim. And and one person did. Honey had a me smiler. She did. She picked she picked Argentina by twelve and, and, and under. Yeah. yeah. But she supports the Warriors. So <laughs> I mean, she picks the Warriors to win games of rugby league. So I mean there's yeah. surely there's you know. But 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 she she had a sense, you know, and that's why, you know, I, I was on I spoke on, on, on Sunday night, last Sunday night, about just the nature of the international game. It doesn't suit us. It doesn't the way we want to play. You, the best teams in the world have the best defence. Funnily enough, our defence is very, very good. It's very yeah, good. Our attack, our attack is average. Yep. You know, 60-odd percent of the ball against Argentina couldn't do anything with it. How many? We used to be averaging three and a, three and a bit tries per test match, I think it was. We wouldn't be averaging that now. You know, the All Blacks have really slipped in terms of the, the attack. And if you look at the players, there's no reason for that. Will Jordan, Geordie Barrett, Caleb Clark, Richie Moanga, these are talented rugby players, but the, the attack's not firing. Jim, so Tabai Matson did some work for us at Sky before he went over and took his big job coaching at Harlequins or where is he? Saracens or wherever he is, banking his big job. He's at Harlequins. He's at Harlequins, right? And we got him to do some analysis on the game. And he looked at the numbers. He crunched all the numbers. He had all these formulas but there were some simple statistics you could go to. And you know the one thing that is clear in the international game, test match football, 
You need to win the kicking battle. You need to win the kicking battle to control territory to make sure you are playing the game in the right parts of the field. In in this season alone, there have been four of the results have been influenced pure and simply by who's won the kicking metres comprehensively. The differences have been upwards of 200 metres. Quite often we've been at when we've won, we've been at 750 in the opposition, 550. When the opposition's won, complete flip around. So that's not inherently, we would say, in our DNA, Jim, kicking the ball, playing the ball at the other end of the park. But our defence is as good as anybody. And yep. if you look statistically, if you look at our impacts, our discipline let us down on the weekend on a number of fronts. But it's an area of the game that we would say we don't want to kick the ball away. But if you want to win Test Match Rugby, it's clearly evident you have to. You have to play yeah, that you've still got to, You've still got to hold on to the ball to score the try, and you've got to break break the defence in some way, and we're not breaking defences. No. The All Blacks are not stretching them. They're not punching holes in them. Yes, yes, you kick for you kick for territory, but you still have to hold on to the ball. No, and I don't see the All Blacks in any way stretching Argentina's defence and and creating holes. See how but, many how many line breaks were there? See what, what's interesting about say even the South African result right against Ar- Australia. South Africa missed and Andre Pollard missed some scorable points, some bankable points they would normally have. Right, their mantra and the way that they play the game generally keeps the game close and tight. And this is very similar to Argentina, is the closer and tighter it gets, the closer you get to the last 20, it puts you in a position to win test matches. And South Africa have a formula to create enough pressure to accumulate points. And that's where I think we are falling down, is that it's where we hold on to the ball. And mm. no, there's no point holding on to the ball in our own half. No point. Defences are too good. You know, this is not an altitude where fatigue takes a, a, a um, significant or has a significant factor on the fatigue of players. You actually have to put the ball in the opposition's court. And I think that's why Richie Moonga has been reselected again because he successfully did it in South Africa in the second test. He didn't do it successfully in Christchurch. We played far too much rugby in between the 10 metre lines in just inside our own half. Going nowhere. Where's the set phase strike then? So I get what you're saying. So you kick for territory, you're down there, you've got yourself a scrum, perfect time to attack, 16 people committed to a small space of, of, of the field and the All Black should be able to score from those situations. If you can create a situation where an All Black back is one-on-one, then I'd back them nine times out of ten to beat their, their opposite or to at least draw a pass to a support player. You know, I can think of those situations. They're, 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 they're clear in my mind. I can go back to, it's a little bit unfair, but go back to Lomu and Josh Cromfield, uh, Julian Savier and Kieran Reid, where we created situations. We stretched the defences, looked back inside. JK and Zinni used to do it. You used to chip over the top. None of these things are happening. They get the ball and all they're doing, is, and, and I'm not denigrating league in any way, but they're running. It's like a league defence because all we're doing is running. All we, we've got the All Blacks doing is running straight. There's nothing that creates doubt in the opposition mind about what's going to happen. Yeah, but and I understand that, and I get that. But by the same token, I, I think we need to take a leaf out of other teams' books and at the way that they 
are turning the opposition around and putting it in the opposition's court and going, well, if you want to play in your own half, go ahead. Our defence will hold. Now, and, and this is where I think the game is internationally right now. If the defences are that tight, and it is challenging, and we've faced this for, wow, it'd be since 2017, so 2018, we sort of knew going in 2019, we were struggling to break down defences. You know, we continue to try and push the pass. We continue to try and create things that weren't there. And so the formula has been, I don't think they've found a formula. The only team no. probably around the world that has successfully been able to construct tries, and they've done it over a long period of time in terms of building it, has been Ireland. France have a remarkable natural flair and talent, particularly in their halfback, first five, fullback scenario at the moment, which is incredibly creative. But by the same token, they still kick the ball away. They still so have a territory game. Here's a question for you then. On Saturday, the All Blacks uh, had a penalty, very kickable penalty. Richard Moinga stepped up. He missed it. Fair enough. About five or ten minutes later, they had a penalty in exactly the same position. And Justin Marshall said in the commentary, well, they kicked the last one from here, so they'll be kicking this one again. Oh, no, they're going for touch. So if, if it's so hard to be scoring tries, why are they not accumulating threes? You know, it's all of these sorts of things. And, and, and this is, we have a smart rugby public, and the public saying, well, why on earth didn't they kick another penalty? Get on the board. Reward yourself for what you've done. So there seems to be an inconsistency on the field in terms of what they do, the decisions that they make, all of that sort of stuff. And that's what's kind of lost people a little bit, I think. Yeah, but, but I think that's by the same token, is that if you said to the public after the Springbok test uh, in South Africa, do you realise that we had 770 kicking metres? And people were going, that's not the game I remember. That's the interesting part of it, is the fact yep. that you, you can kick the ball away and still be in the contest. It could be contestable kicks, which South Africa yep. clearly have used well, you know, yep, and, and to create pressure, right? But but sure. we get into this, okay, you've just kicked it down the middle, and like, oh no, no, I'm going to run it back now. And then we start getting into this phase play against a team that actually is going, you know what, we're going to have a 14-man front. Um, you're not a threat through the middle of the park, so we're going to spread across the field. And then we're just going to continue to shut you down. To me, I would, I'm interested to see if we're prepared to go down the path, which I know we've actually done in the past from time to time. When it comes to winning a close test match, we just play the other end of the field. I think I remember in 2011, for the last 20 minutes, what did we do to win a Rugby World Cup? We kicked just it. kicked it and said, you beat us, right? Yeah, they didn't did it to Mount the, Eden. The, 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 exactly. The penalty we gave away was on the 40-metre mark, which they had a chance to hit the front with, which they missed. But other than that, they said, we get it, we're going to put it deep in your own half, and you find a way to break it down. You find a way to get it in the other end of the field. And I'm just wondering, you know, I, I go, you know what? Yes, we want to play. I get it. We feel as though we've got that most much talent. But I want to see a significant shift in our tactical awareness this week in terms of, Forget how you want to win. Forget how you'd like yes. to play to win. Show Just me how win. to win. Just win. Let's win. Let's see the All Blacks win a couple and then bring in all the other stuff. It would be nice to see them win a couple in a row. Because what um, can we rely on, Jim? For the first time, I think, in a long time, I think our scrum's outstanding. I think our scrum's scrum, good. Line-out's good. 
Uh, line out defensive of a driving mall is improving all of the time. I mean, Jason yep. Ryan's clearly had an impact on the All Blacks forward pack. Yeah. And I think I said last time we got together that if if you sort out the All Black forward pack, then pretty much they should be winning test matches because of the talent that they have on attack. Mm. So let's just see this week, hopefully, a, a more inventive, what not, did you say, more considered, more considered inventive. attack? I don't want inventive. Look, I want but inventive could be kicking. That's well, okay. I just want. I don't. Was it who was it? Einstein, Confucius. Someone said, "Keep doing the same thing and expect a different result as a sign of insanity." The All Blacks in the second half must have been insane because they just kept doing the same thing for forty minutes and it didn't produce what they wanted it to produce. So that's what I mean by inventiveness. They've got to be some somehow different to what they were in in Christchurch because Jim, just Argentina. Argentina is going to tackle. We know that. Yeah, yes. so just, just lastly then, right? So if we look at everything that we've talked about, are there questions you you think can be answered this Saturday night in Hamilton? Or, or are we going to have to wait a little bit longer before we can, like like you've just said, maybe we re- overreacted and I could be guilty of it myself in some way of looking at... I, I will say this about the performance in South Africa, though. South Africa in South Africa... At Johannesburg, tough. Very I think tough. you have to put that into context. <clears throat> very, right? very tough. Very, yep. very tough. And South Africa at home are a different beast than they are on the road. So all those sorts of things. But, but, and, and I definitely think the way that um, the Wallabies play against South Africa in Australia is something about that Austra- uh, South Africa's always struggled. Mm. They've always struggled with, right? And I, and I yep. don't think they get themselves up mentally, South Africa, for that challenge like they do for, for the All Blacks. But if we then look at, okay. We've got two Bledisloe Cup tests coming up, um, but rugby championship is still up for grabs, right? Um, it, it's, sure. It's, it's massively, there's a massive opportunity there. So so if, is there things that, if you could have them answered on Sunday morning, what would they be so that you could then move on to say the next thing? Is, is there anything on that, that you would go, you know what, the All Blacks could answer this question this, with this performance? Yeah, two. One relates to the attack. I'd like to see them challenge the Argentina's attack in a variety of ways, which I don't think they did last time. So I'd like to see them really push, pull, stretch, whatever the phrase is, the the, the Pumas attack. And you touched on it right at the top of the podcast. I want to see impact from the bench. That used to be a real hallmark of the All Blacks. Before we had substitutions, the key strength of the All Blacks was fitness and skill level at the in the final quarter of a game. And and that's where the All Blacks ran away from teams. When we came to substitutions, it took a little while for everyone to adjust to it. But for at least a decade, the All Blacks beat teams in that last quarter because of the ability of the bench to come on and change the attack. So I want to see that. I want to see the bench come on and make a significant contribution. You know, I want to see most of them on the field with at least 15 minutes to go, if not 20, and see them change change the game. That's that's what I want to see them do, because that's their job description. And, Jim, that will be the one thing for me, is that I want to see composure under pressure. And that will follow on from what you've just talked about, is the fact that I, I get the sense it'll be very hard to imagine a place right now where the All Blacks will be comfortable with 20 minutes to go, because... We've seen already this season 
is that it doesn't take much in terms of momentum to shift. So if Argentina mm. keep the contest close, it's how we deal with that. Who steps up and leads the team? And more, most importantly for me, that's not inspiration. It's tactical. It's, yes. it's how do I now plot this to win the test match? How do we how do, let's draw on the experience we've all had before and go, this is what we need to do in the last 20 minutes, right? I'm going to do this, 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 and this. So so if there's something that doesn't go the way they want it to go, someone steps up and says, it's okay. We're now going to do this, this, and this. And I think to me, I'm wondering whether or not we've got that ultimate tactical voice out on the field to own that that space and time, right? It's just mm. own it and say, you know what? Oi, this is the job you've got to do right now. You focus on doing that. This is where we're going to go. This is what we do next. That's what I want to see. And then if we're not good enough, we're not good enough. Because that comes back to your first point as well. Are we going to see a tactical awareness and a game plan shift that will stress mm. the defence? That's the way I would look at it. Well, with that bench, there's plenty of experience coming on, so there's there's no reason why they shouldn't. You know, yes, they were experienced at the stage, but if you go back to 2011 through to 2015 with McCaw, Carter, um, Conrad Smith, Marnoni, those sorts of guys, in the last 20, there was a ferocity of performance, but also a coolness under pressure. And, and that's a unique combination to bring, as you know, but that's, again, so those are the three things we want to see more from the attack, more from the bench, and a, and a cool tactical approach in the last 20. I don't think that's too much to ask, Jeff. I don't I'm think it's too it. much to ask, but it's, it's not a too much to ask. I know. I'm, I'm glad it's them and it's not us. That's what I can, <laughs> that's what I can say about this. I'm, I'm fascinated to see what we hear on Sunday after a, a Saturday night. The one thing we can guarantee, Jim, I think more people in the world are watching than have ever watched before. <laughs> about the, yeah, the fortunes of the All Blacks. If if there was any malaise about watching a game of rugby union, particularly involving the All Blacks, I think that's well and truly gone. I think it is. Let's bring it on. Thanks, Jim. As always, it's just another 40 minutes of just general yarns. It tells you exactly, I think this is we're exactly the same place with the rest of New Zealanders and, and is that we just wait and we wonder. And after 80 minutes on Saturday night, we'll find out once again. Thanks, mate. No worries.